This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and good morning and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another show for another episode of our Raw Reaction series and specifically the Arsenal Transfer Show. 8am UK time every single day keeping you guys up to date with all the latest Arsenal transfer information and making sure that you are informed as to the chaos that we find ourselves dealing with every single day. For episode 98, two episodes away from the big 100 uh and also my final day uh so we're nearly at 101 and it is my final day at 101 great goals today which is going to be interesting uh posting the final articles there before moving on to the next chapter with reach and uh and seeing the amazing stuff that we're going to be producing over there and i just wanted to take a second again to say a massive thank you to Everyone who's been watching the channel, supporting the channel, supporting me uh, and and being really just, you know, kind and supportive about everything because without this, this new job would not be happening. So, uh, again, a massive thank you to you guys in the chat and uh, and continue to support the channel by making sure you drop a like on the video and subscribe if you're new. The votes for the Football Content Awards closed yesterday, uh, yesterday evening at 23.59 p.m., uh, thank you to everyone that voted for us. The nominations are released, we believe, on the 23rd of this month. So we'll find out if we were successful at being nominated for the first time. That'd be pretty cool. But if we aren't, thank you anyway for everyone that did vote. There are some amazing content creators uh, going for uh, nominations. But thank you uh, to everyone that helped support and especially those that tweeted out last night. A highlight of mine was seeing some of the typos and seeing hashtag best cub creator. I mean, I don't mean I don't mind being described as a lion, but there are no cubs being made. I can assure you that not for another few years, at least. Um, and final thing, first before we crack on with today's news, is these shows uh, over the next kind of few days or so are now sponsored by uh, the Arsenal Review and specifically their Pick Your Team game. Link is to this in the description. And uh, if basically, if you're into fantasy football or even if you're not, uh, this is a really good alternative for those that want to play for free and are just very focused on kind of Arsenal. You don't even get points for kind of the whole predicting who's going to play well. All you need to do is predict 
who's going to start for Mikel Arteta. And the more players that you get right that Mikel Arteta does pick for each game throughout the season, you get more points. And these are the opportunity to win a hell of a lot of money at the end of the season. You could win up to a grand if you do come near the top of the league table. Links in the description to this, as we've said before. Um, so thank you so much to the Arsenal Review for sponsoring the show. And, uh, and yeah, check it out. Check out the game. There's lots more that you can discover and, uh, and enjoy. There's a little bit of a sneak peek as to my team for the Brentford game. I'm not going to show you all of it because I'm going to be in the league and I want to win. <laughs> it's... It's just what it is. It's just what it is. I'm a competitive guy. What can I say? Let's move on to the news, though. And we start off with Gabriel Martinelli. Now, Gabriel Martinelli has arrived back in the UK. In fact, a friend of mine, uh, a former teacher friend of mine, uh, got a selfie of him yesterday uh, in London at the airport. Uh, annoyingly, she hasn't replied to me quick enough to be able to use the photo. And I wanted to ask for permission, of course, but she hasn't replied to me quick enough. But I can assure you uh, that she took a selfie with Gabriel Martinelli yesterday at the airport. Uh, he has returned back to the UK. TGT sources out there and about getting the latest scoops. And uh, yeah, hopefully he's integrated back into the team. I'm not sure how the recovery process works with this, because if you remember, Martinelli had his break. He then obviously uh, didn't go to the Copa America with the Brazilian squad. He had his break, had his holiday, came back for preseason, started preseason and then was called up to the Brazilian national side for the Olympics. So it's, it's a case of uh, he may come back quicker than that, but I imagine they'll give him a slight break after the tournament. But hopefully he'll be back, uh, maybe even before the international break, which would be great to see him back and, and playing and, and training and ready to get going. But he'll be on an absolute high after winning the Olympic gold and a massive congratulations again to him for that. We then move on to talking about yesterday's game and uh, some of the decisions that were made, some of the players that were left out, Mikel Arteta's words as well. And Willian was not in the squad whatsoever. Uh, wasn't even on the bench. Uh, we know he wasn't in the starting eleven, And that led to a lot of speculation. But uh, Gilles Castello-Branco from Gold Brazil has said that Willian trained this morning, being yesterday, and is not injured as far as I know, but he was not in the squad for the game. Not in the club's plans for the season. Leaving. Let's see what Arteta will say post-match. And he you know, just didn't really say anything on Willian. Nothing was even asked on Willian in the end. Um, but we've heard supposedly that he very much still, you know, there is no offer from another club. There's no bids. There's no likelihood that he's leaving soon if he does indeed leave. And it's one that's probably going to run to the end of the window. We now move on to what Arteta said about the possibility of transfers. And yesterday he said, what we have is what we have to maximise. And worrying about things that we don't have at the moment, there is no point. My energy is only on the players we have. Make them better and make them a better threat and win matches. Now, if you watched our podcast yesterday where I was joined fantastically by Owen, Drew and John, John took exception to this, uh, and quite rightly, because it is not the most kind of encouraging of comments to talk about maximising what we currently have, to not worry about the things that we don't have. Well, I'm not expecting Arteta to turn around and go, look, I'm not happy with the amount of signings that we've made. I'm not expecting that to happen. Would I like that to happen? I'm growing ever some more, you know, keen on the idea, just because I really want to try and learn more about what the hell has happened this window and why we are you know, as slow as we have been. I think there are reasons for us being slow, which I've highlighted, most of them being the lack of sales. But I still think there is 
the backup goalkeeper situation is strange, how much money they're investing, and we'll talk about that in a second. But it's I just can't quite get my head around these comments from Arteta, and it is not the most encouraging of signs for a man who is famously not the best at answering questions in the press conferences. We then move on to what that could mean and what he has said about Joe Willock. He did tell us that uh, they would tell us in the next few days what was going on with Joe Willock, but we didn't have to hear that from, uh, from Mikel Arteta. David Ornstein did reveal yesterday that Newcastle United have agree, uh, agreed a deal or rather agreed a fee with Arsenal in excess of £20 million. Sky Sports then reported that the figure is set to kind of rise to a figure of around £25 million. I imagine by looking through some of the ports, it's probably around the £22 plus £3 million kind of deal, including add-ons. And there is also, according to Chris Whitley of Football London, a sell-on clause also in this deal. So all of that selling side of things is great. There's obviously a bit of a clash of opinions on Joe Willock as to whether or not we should have sold him. I know that a few of our members, Vinny in particular, not too happy about Joe Willock going. I think 25 million is an absolutely fair price in the current market. In fact, I think we've done very well to get 25 million pounds. Yes, there's an element of the whole PTSD from the Emmy Martinez situation and seeing a seller player like that and watching them go off and be amazing. The differences with Joe Willock, I just don't think what you're going to see at Newcastle is anywhere near as comparable as what you would have seen to him at Arsenal. He was not be able to get the same amount of freedom, game time, emphasis, responsibility in the Arsenal first team as he's going to be able to get under Steve Bruce at Newcastle. I also don't, I think it would be absolutely shocking if he manages to continue on that run of amazing goal scoring. Um, it's just not a sustainable one unless he genuinely is one of the best players in the Premier League, which I still think, you know, there's the potential for him maybe one day to be that, especially if he was to say, be consistent with the form that he showed at the end of last season. But the likelihood is that isn't sustainable and getting 25 million in a summer in which we've struggled to sell players is probably the right move. Um, we haven't been able to sell the players we've wanted to. And if we do want to improve the squad, making some of these difficult decisions like selling Willock for a very good fee in this market is probably the right move. But I'm sure you guys have got plenty of opinions on this and we're going to talk about that in the Q&A section. So if you do have a question or a point or a worry, please do ask it in our Q&A section at the end of the show. And if you haven't already, please do make sure you're dropping a like on today's video and subscribing if you are new. Now, what could this mean then for James Madison? Well, Arsenal, as we know, are very much interested in the Leicester City uh, attacking midfielder, played in the Community Shield the other day in the 1-0 win over Manchester City. Um, and Leicester have, of course, so far anyway, held firm on James Madison. Uh, and unsurprising because Arsenal have not offered what they've wanted. They actually offered, ironically, Joe Willock in one of those deals and proposals to James Madison and Leicester. Now that they have managed to, what it looks like anyway, to uh, have sold uh, Joe Willock for that amount of money, it does seem to me anyway that this could push forward with a deal for James Madison. I will be irritated if Arsenal sell Joe Willock and don't bring in an attacking midfielder, it would seem a little bit naive and ignorant to do that. So hopefully that's a big encouraging sign that a deal like James Madison could ha now happen with the additional funds brought in from this Joe Willock sale. We will wait and see. We also move on to talking about a backup goalkeeper and Mikel Arteta was asked ahead of Friday's game whether or not the club would have a backup goalkeeper brought in by that game against Brentford. And he says, I don't know. I repeat myself. We train with the players we have available. We are trying to do the right things to improve the team in the areas that are needed. At the moment, we have come so far and the window is still open. I mean, saying we have come so far, I, 
I don't think we've come so far. I don't think there's been much movement, if anything. Sure, we've gotten a massive centre-back, and I think it's a great deal. But it's not the. it wasn't the key area that we needed to heavily invest in. So, and that's, that's an issue. We still need to invest in centre-midfield, in my opinion. We need to invest in attacking midfield, in right-back. Maybe the forward line maybe is in need of something else as well. So there's a lot to do, and it's just irritating seeing these, especially when you see figures associated with our transfer targets like Aaron Ramsdale being at the level that they are, around 26 million. If we use all of the money that we sell Joe Willock for to buy Aaron Ramsdale, that is a really frustrating and puzzling kind of situation to try and make sense of. There are other players out there available that are homegrown goalkeepers that are of a decent level that you could get for a fraction of the price that you can get Aaron Ramsdale for. If you are so intent on getting a homegrown goalkeeper, why we have to spend as much as we look like we could be on on I say Leno because we will spend, if we do spend $26 million on Ramsdale, more on our backup than we did on our starting goalkeeper. That's the situation we find ourselves in with this, with the supposed 26 million bid, according to uh, a number of reports that come out previously. It's just mind-boggling to me if we go and do that. There are other options, but uh, Sheffield United are looking at the QPR stopper at the moment as a possible replacement, as a maybe a hint that this is inching towards uh, more of a likely move. We'll see. Uh, Martin Erdegaard, though, did uh, was involved in Real Madrid's friendly uh, yesterday, but was on the bench. He started on the bench. Gareth Bale started for Real Madrid under Carlo Ancelotti. Despite the fact that Tony Cruz is injured, I know they play different positions, but that was something that was highlighted as to one of the reasons as to why he's more likely to stay. Tony Cruz not being at uh, or not being able to play at the moment meant that there was a space in midfield, but Erdegaard didn't fill that immediately during that game. It's it's for me anyway. It is a weird situation because as Fabrizio Romano said on Twitter yesterday, Arsenal are still interested. They see him as their apparent number one target, which is I don't know why they would push so hard for James Madison if he was still the number one target, because surely you would write him off your list of targets if he's staying at Real Madrid. I feel like it's one of those with Odegaard and, Martin, and, and Madison. It all kind of depends on the different sources as a reporter you have and kind of the information you're being fed. Both of them are seemingly very high up on Arsenal's list of targets in that attacking midfield area. You would think Odegaard would be significantly less money than it would cost to bring in James Madison, but there does seem to be this emphasis on signing homegrown players and English players. So maybe that's why they're leaning more towards Madison. But Erdogan, future, still up and around and certainly still our analogy of the Newton's cradle continues to go on with the Norwegian international, which is, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Now, Lataro Martinez caused quite a stir yesterday on social media when it was revealed by the Times that allegedly Spurs had agreed a figure in excess of £60 million with Inter Milan for the purchase of the Argentinian forward. As we know, Arsenal had previously inquired and only inquired so far about Martinez, according to the Athletic, courtesy of David Ornstein, uh, during those discussions about Hector Bellerin possibly moving. That's uh, Lataro Martinez was talked about. Uh, now, we need to make something clear. An inquiry is not a bid. An inquiry is not an offer. An inquiry is something that clubs do on a regular basis with a whole host of different players. Some of those inquiries become public and they get to the media. Some of those inquiries, and in fact, most of those inquiries don't. 
We used the analogy yesterday of say, if you're buying a car and on a website, there's a list of cars in an area. Some of them are for sale, some of them aren't, but you just have no information besides what the car is. You inquire as to what the price of it might be, whether the owner's up for selling it, et cetera, et cetera. It does not mean you're going to buy every single car on that list that you're looking into. And it's the same situation for footballers. Clubs inquire about a whole host of different footballers. It does not mean they have made a bid, made an offer, et cetera, et cetera. So just be careful about those kind of stories. But it did cause quite a stir in regards to Spurs apparently agreeing this fee, which was then, you know, pretty much denied by Italian media. And specifically, Lautaro Martinez's agent actually came out publicly and said that Inter wants to keep him, that Martinez wants to stay, and that he is not for sale. Well, if he's not for sale, how would have a fee been agreed? It's something that I am struggling to get my head around at the moment. So it's one that we'll have to keep track of. But I, as I said yesterday, would be surprised to see him make the move. I always said it was a three out of 10 to move to Arsenal in terms of likelihood. But to move to Spurs, you know, I just it would be very strange if, if Spurs end up selling Harry Kane. Maybe they'll put across an offer to Inter Milan that they simply just couldn't turn down. But we'll wait and see. Inter Milan are in the process currently of signing Edin Dzeko from Roma. But that is more so as a replacement for Romelu Lukaku rather than Martinez. So we will wait and see on this one. But as I said before, I don't think it's one to panic about. I don't think Spurs are going to get this one done. You never know. I can be wrong. have been wrong in the past. But it's just how I feel about it at this current state of play. Uh, we move on to the final story of the day, and Demancio has continued to confirm Arsenal's interest alongside a whole host of clubs in Fiorentina forward Dusan Vlahovic, the Serbian striker who scored a bucket load of goals in Serie A last season and has continued that form in pre-season and is doing well, of course, for his national side too. Um, it is interesting how many strikers Arsenal are being linked to at the moment. That is for sure. Um, it is interesting how many we are being uh, kind of talented just looking at for a club that how I have questions about kind of the striker department or whether that's really our main problem. For me, it's certainly about creating chances. We talked a lot about yesterday, but I do find it strange how many strikers we're being linked to. And clearly that is an indication that Arsenal have got that on their kind of list of areas that maybe they're looking at. Is Dusan Vlahovic a likely signing for Arsenal at this stage? No, but it doesn't mean that it may not happen in the future. We're certainly going to have a, a deeper dive and a look into him. I am planning on doing a tactical breakdown on Dusan Vlahovic. So if you don't know much about him, hopefully this afternoon you can find out a lot more about him as well. But there is still interest. Demarcio has confirmed that. Um, we will see and we will follow this story very intently to see how it develops over the coming weeks. And that's is the last story and so completes our news for today. We move on to the final part of the show, which is your questions, your thoughts, your feelings in the chat box. If you have got a question about anything we've talked about today and some of the things maybe we haven't, then please make sure you throw them into the chat box and we'll try and get through as many of them as we can. Okay, let's start off uh, with Jashar, one of our very loyal members and watchers. Says, Tom, as we need a goalkeeper, do you think that Willock is being sold to fund the buying of Ramsdale? I would hope not, because I feel like we have the money to do that deal, should we want to. I feel like that deal is being done because we have a lack of sales in general, and because we want to move for other targets in the window. That's my hope anyway. The real Yanis, thank you all so much for the super chat, mate. He says, I see Martinez, I tune in. Also, even though Vlahovic is very good, he went on a drought on his first season. Another good option is Sasa Kalajic. Ask Drew in formal agreements, pen to paper. I mean, I like Kalajic. I know about Kalajic from my own you know, knowledge of watching Austrian uh, players and, and seeing how good he's been last season. 
uh, was very good as well. He's a different dynamic. He's better in the air than what we've currently got too. So I would be open to the idea of that if that's the route that we want to go down for a striker. I still find it odd that we are, but I think there are areas that are in much more need of attention. But we'll see what happens with that. It's the Vlahovic situation, if you remember. Do you remember uh, Piatek? Um, you, he's not exactly old, um, but he obviously was playing at, I believe it was Genoa in Italy. Scored a bucket load of goals for Genoa in Serie A. AC Milan bought him. He wasn't really able to translate, making a step up in his own league. Then has moved to her to Berlin. And again, it's not particularly worked out. And that kind of situation, you know, it really died off. So I'm hoping that's not the case with Vlahovic. But it is something that you need to be very careful of, is seeing a player explode in one season doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to perpetuate through the rest of their career. You need to make the right assessment and judgment on the player. I mean, look at Nicola Pepe as another example. An amazing season that Lille hasn't been able to recreate that same electric form at Arsenal. So it is about, you know, we'll see. We'll find out what happens with those. But uh, if Blahovic does come in, I hope he absolutely smashes it. Whereas Lee says, Tom, how would you grade our transfer window if we only get Madison and a backup goalkeeper until the end of August? Probably about a seven. Um, they're two key positions. We didn't get enough players out. We didn't get in another centre midfielder. So probably a six and a half slash seven. We needed so much this summer. And it's ironic because Arsenal have never really brought in two big 50 million plus players in one window. Ben White and Madison would be that alongside Tavares, uh, Sambi Lokonga and a backup. And we've made a lot of good contract deals, but we haven't sold enough. We haven't done enough in that area and we haven't signed in certain other areas. So probably around a seven. Uh, out of 10, which may seem a little harsh, but this summer was so crucial and important to get the stuff done we needed. I'm very critical of of that and some of the aspects of the window that we needed not happening. So so that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. Um, Ollie says, Tom, was the wedding on a boat? I was in Bristol on Saturday and saw a wedding on a boat. No, it wasn't on a boat, uh, Ollie. It was, uh, I was on a boat two weeks ago in Oxford. Um, but no, it was in Bristol and it was very much on land. But thank you for asking. Uh, Jasmos says, uh, so, her, uh, so hurt about Willock. People say he doesn't fit our system. BS, does Arteta only have a plan A? Is plan B still bringing Elneny off the bench? Game plans can change mid-game, Mikel. I am fuming. Look, I'm, I understand your fury. I understand a lot of people's disgruntlements at Willock leaving. I worry about Arteta's game plan. I worry about the way that we play. I worry about what we're trying to do. The tactics look odd. The way in which we are so one-dimensional in the wide areas. The fact that we brought Smith Rowe in and we're still forcing Matt into wide areas. And it's very kind of, it's not consistent enough that he cuts inside and plays an incisive ball through the middle of the pitch. And he's capable of doing that. So it's not as if he can't do it. So it must be an instruction that he's getting. It's also defensively, we look so absent in the midfield all Spurs had to do was play the ball over the top and they were in behind us and that's certainly something that teams especially lower down the league are going to deploy against us next season they may have quite a lot of joy in doing so we need to be careful of that the tactics do need to improve the decision making from Arteta does need to improve because I'm like James Bench tweeted yesterday I'm struggling to see patterns of play on a consistent basis and it's very very worrying um, let's scroll down. Yes, it is. It's not a bad word, disgruntlement. Isaac says, while I agree, Tom, on the need for a chance creator, it has to be said that we are crossing team and Blahovic in the middle 
rather than Lacazette, would be a much bigger threat. Isaac, I'm not going to debate that. Um, you're absolutely spot on. If we're going to spend all the game crossing the ball into the box, of course a player that's going to be more threatening in the air would make sense. My criticism is, is that's not the way I want to see Arsenal playing. I don't want to see Arsenal just lumping the ball. And let's be honest, whilst we have done that and Tierney puts a couple of decent crosses in, consistently we do put balls into the box that are just not good enough, that are too far, too short, don't beat the first man, don't do well enough and aren't as a higher quality enough to really make a difference. And so if we are going to add a target man, sure, okay, and we're going to play that kind of way, but you need to improve the delivery and arguably still adding a creator, someone who could put a better ball in the box is great. But do I really want to be, see Arsenal becoming a team that relies on a target man number nine to, 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 to make the way that we play work? Not really. I would love us to see using a Roberto Firmino style forward like Liverpool did on the clock, play some amazing football, have some deadly wide players, have Saka and Pepe scoring bundles of goals along with Martinelli when he comes off the bench. I'd love that system and I think it's great and I'm jealous of the way that Liverpool won the league and the Champions League playing with that and still had the ability to throw the ball in the box with their fullbacks being so brilliant at it. So it's about having more than one option. And I just look at Arsenal right now and we are just so one-dimensional. And for all our domination and for all our possession, we just don't create good enough chances. And I don't think it matters if you had Robert Lewandowski up top at Arsenal right now. We'd still have a problem scoring goals because we're just not creating the right chances. And that is just a, such a big problem for us right now. And it does fall at the manager's feet and at the way that we're playing. So it's something that desperately, desperately needs to change. Um, let's go for uh, Tawanda, who says, need a creative player. I'm not sure what to expect. <laughs> what can we expect? What can we expect this window? We aren't, we aren't being given much confidence from our own coach about what we're going to be doing in the rest of the window. And that's a really big problem. Uh, Ife says, Tom, is the rumour of Brighton bidding for Eddie 20 million true? Now, we should clarify that that report that did come out said that Brighton are interested in £20 million rated in Ketia. That didn't mean that there was a bid of £20 million. So it's always it's always important that you read like the, the headlines carefully because they are worded in specific ways. So £20 million rated in Ketia doesn't mean that there is a bid of £20 million having been made, is going to be made. It's just, you know, it's 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 a headline. So be careful about that. And uh, I, I think that there is, I'd be unsurprised if there was interest because Brighton do need to add goals to their forward line, but he is injured for four weeks and that may put off a couple of teams, but they do sign them. So there you go. Uh, yeah, Clive, your spot on Saka changed absolutely everything. I've said this time and time again, I'm sick and tired of seeing Aubameyang forced into a, a circular hole when he's a square player. He needs to be as a number nine. He's a poacher. Use him as that. We, we aren't going to get the best from Aubameyang's kind of pace in the, in the way that we play because we're, you know, we, we dominate teams and we're not really playing off on the break. It's not really something that we do too often. The thing about Aubameyang is what you can utilise of his skills is hopefully his movement and his finishing in the box, which has been off of late because he's not been able to get in the box as much as he like and take as many opportunities as he like because he's forced out into a wide position. Stop playing him wide. You don't have to have him in the team. Like there's kind of this obsession that we have to play a Bamian because he's the club captain. Arteta needs to make a big call. And in my view, right now, you play Lacazette at nine, you play Saka left, you play Pepe right. That that's arguably at the moment because we're so lacking in chance creation. Maybe you even put Pepe left and Saka right. 
to kind of emphasize even a greater frequency of chance creation as Pepe did for us when he played on the left during the winter stages of last season. It's really frustrating um, seeing Aubameyang left because it just limits us so much. And as Clive, you say, when Saka came on, Aubameyang came off, the game changed. And I feel like if we'd have kept a little bit more stable in the middle, we probably wouldn't have conceded, but we had to make a lot of changes because it's pre-season and that's what you do. Uh, Wesley says, who do you think would benefit more if Madison comes, Aubameyang or Lacazette? It's a good question. Um, the thing about Madison, obviously, is he prefers, ironically, playing kind of this number eight position. I think he can score as well, so he would add goals. To be honest, I think both of them would would benefit. Anything that's going to create more opportunities of a higher quality is going to benefit both those players. And they are players that will feed off chances. They're not particularly players that are going to create for themselves. Lacazette may be slightly more so than Aubameyang, but he's better with his back to goal, taking the ball into his feet, spinning a defender, being able to take a shot. He's done it time and time again. He can do that, whereas Aubameyang likes to play the ball straight into him first time, touch or shoot. That's slightly different style to Lacazette. And I think at the moment with the players that we have, Lacazette suits the style more. The way that Xhaka likes to ping a ball into the edge of the box where Lacazette can be standing. The way that we like to play a little interplay of passes on the edge of the box at times, as we showed yesterday, that suits him more. Whereas the crosses that are coming in from wide areas at the moment, not of enough quality. They are too lofted and they are not enough driven and they are not directed well enough at the moment to really utilise Aubameyang's poaching abilities to the best of his skill. So I think Lacazette suits us a lot more um dot barker says <clears throat> the doctor here uh if abamian doesn't start who would wear the captain's armbands i mean for me it's always going to be tierney um i have no issue with granite Xhaka having the, the, the armband i rate his leadership skills i know not a lot of you do that's fine it's just my opinion i do think he's a good leader um but other than that tierney <clears throat> is certainly one that i would would look to as well I mean, Ben White led by example yesterday from the back. Why not give him an opportunity as well? He's definitely seen as possibly a future captain. So we'll wait and see. Uh, Constantine says, uh, Tom, we are discussing about a difficult financial situation this summer. But if we are without European football next summer, the situation will be a catastrophe. Isn't it time for all in now? I agree. This summer was all about going all in for me. It was all about absolutely smashing the transfer window, improving the team as much as feasibly possible to have a run with no European football at getting back into European football, be it the Champions League or the Europa League. Frankly, it's it's important just to be in Europe next season. So we desperately, desperately, desperately need to go ahead with the rest of this window and attack it like a team that wants to get into Europe. Uh, Ali says, I dislike this. We're a crossing team tag and we need a Giroud-esque number nine. Are City or Liverpool crossing teams? Did they need a Giroud? We simply need to improve our execution and that's it. Now, I think that Liverpool, it would be hard-pressed to call them simply a crossing team. Are they a team that cross a lot? Yes, but the difference is, is because they've got players like Alexander-Arnold and Robertson that could cross really well. They used that to their advantage, but that wasn't their only attack. They use so many incisive passes with their wide players, interplay with their forward line, having two number eights that would push up and help the attacking line as well. They had so many dimensions to their play. Arsenal are at the moment quite one-dimensional. And maybe you dislike the tag of being a crossing team, but that is our main attack and our main threat right now. And everything else, and there are other slight versions and variations in the way that we attack, but they are much less frequent at the moment than they should be. And it's about bringing those types of chance creations up in frequency and up in quality. So, yeah, whilst I agree with you, I I don't really want to go back to the whole Giroud as our main striker. I'd much rather have someone that was more technical 
I can understand why people want to see that type of striker because our main type of chance creation is crosses. Uh, and that's a real big worry at the moment. Uh, Tim Jallo says, thoughts on the price comparison between Willock and Ben White? Both homegrown uh, academy players. Uh, ben White, a full Premier League season. Joe Willock, longer first-team development, including a record-breaking loan spell. Um, in terms of the positions, one, Ben White is a centre-back that always costs more. It just does. A young English centre-back just costs more money in itself as a position. Uh, Brighton didn't need to sell. Arsenal desperately needed to sell. So there's that factor as well. Uh, ben White is a international for England and is being picked alongside some of the best centre-backs in the country at the moment. Joe Willock had a sixth-month spell of, of a really good period of time. Ben White played a really good game last season. I think, was he was he Brighton's player of the season for last year? He was one of the best players for Leeds during his loan spell there. And he's, gone a, he's continued on an upward trajectory, whereas Willock has not been on an upward trend. It's been very much quite stagnant before an explosive six months at Newcastle. All of those things, Tim, probably with some more factors involved as well, contribute to the reason why there's such a difference in price between the two. Uh, gang says, Tom, what's your, uh, what's your practical expectation from the rest of the window? I still think we'll sign three. Uh, that's That's been my prediction. I feel like three is a is a realistic thing to predict. As the weeks go on, you may see that prediction diminish as we don't sign players. But still right now, I'm saying three. So that's that's where I think about that. Uh, Philip says, swap Joe Willock for one of Newcastle's good three goalkeepers plus some money for us. I would have happily taken Carl Darlow. I like Carl Darlow. I think he's a good goalkeeper. I think he would have been a really good option for us. Debravka is injured at the moment, so that probably would have stopped them from selling. They also have Freddie Woodman, who's not on the same level as Carl Darlow, but would have, again, been a backup option that could have improved. Carl Darlow would have been a good pick, I think. Certainly someone that maybe we should have looked at. Uh, as well. Venkatesh says, the way Tottenham played under Nuno worries you. Do they look more threatening than Arsenal? Not really. I, I really don't. I didn't look at that game and thought, yeah, Spurs look really dangerous. I didn't think that at all. I thought they played a few balls over the top, which made us look like vulnerable at times. And I think that we were caught out of position in moments as well. There was a lot of changes pre-season and actually Spurs have not looked amazing. So no, I'm not, I'm not concerned about them at the moment. Uh, I might be concerned if Harry Kane stays but I'm hoping that's not going to happen. <laughs> we will wait and see. Uh, Arun says, hey, Tom, I'm really confused uh, as to who our main target for attacking midfield is. Uh, Fabrizio is saying Erdogan, Weekly saying Madison. Look, at the end of the day, Arun, it's one of them. <laughs> that's all I can say to you. It's one of them. Uh, it certainly is one of those two. I think that Erdogan was the priority at the start of the window. I think that has changed the later in the window that we've got, basically because Real Madrid's reluctance to, to sell um, so I think it's changed. I think it was Erdogan. I lean towards it now much more being Madison at the moment. Uh, Yassir says, Tom, I thought money wasn't our problem, but the bloated squad, uh, when did uh, money become our problem? I think maybe people assumed by how much we were spending at the beginning of the window that we had more money than we do. Um, I still think there is money available. I just don't think there is as much money as, say, people probably predicted at the start. And that might be it. So, I mean, you can, I, I am, I would be surprised if there was loads of money. We're off the back of a pandemic and we're a club that spent a ridiculous amount and lo made losses year upon year. So it does surprise me if we go and spend more than we have done in this window. We need to spend more than we have done in previous windows, but I'd be surprised if we did because of the, the current climate. So it's, 
I, I wouldn't say that I ever thought money was never a problem. With Arsenal, I always think money's a problem in how we spend it and how we have it, if we have it at all. So there you go. Um, let's go for a couple more and then we'll wrap up. Uh, Venkatesh says, adding Madison would improve the whole squad. Will it change other players who look one-dimensional? Still, our squad looks average. Um, I mean, it's ironic, isn't it? Because you would swap out probably Smith-Rowe for Madison on a week-in, week-out basis. You could put Smith-Rowe wide. You could play Madison as an eight. You could play Lekonga as a six in behind, say, both of Madison and Smith-Rowe. Maybe that's something that you could try against some of the teams that you need to be more dominant with and have more creation. I wouldn't say try that against a City or a Chelsea, but certainly against your Norwich, your Watfords, teams like that. I'd be open to seeing both Madison and Smith Rowe playing the same team. I don't think there's anything wrong with trying that. So I think he improves us. But again, I agree. I still can't see a radical change of chance creation with just one player coming in. I think it is it's genuinely more down to the tactics. It's more down to how we play. And I certainly have a, I am having my mind changed a lot over this preseason, which is not something I tend to do over preseason, but my mind is changing a lot as to how I am analysing the way we play, the progression of how we're playing, or the lack of progression in the way that we're playing and how that affects us and the decision-making that needs to take place from a managerial standpoint. That is for sure. Um, Mini says, Tom, would Tinny be better if he had someone tall to aim at? Again, this is this whole thing about one-dimensional play. Like, do we really want to be into this? I'd love if we had a coach come in and said, look at Kieran Tierney, see that right, you're a great cross of the ball, but that's not all you're good at. You're great with your movement. You're great at getting in behind defenders. Why can't you push closer to the touchline and put a low-driven ball into the box for our strikers? Why does it always have to be a lofted ball near the byline? I want to see you driving at players, taking people on. You're good at that. You're fast. Mix up your play, Tierney. You're good enough to do it. Let's try and variate your passes because that's what I'd like to see from Tierney more. And I think that's down to the coach, not Tierney, to tell him to do that. Because at the moment, Tierney's just doing as he's been told. And he's doing it very, very well. But I think that we could get more from Kieran Tierney if we was to, you know, deploy a different type of tactical change on that left-hand side. Um, the real Yanis, thank you all so much. Uh, he says, uh, Tom, sorry for the flurry of super chats. You never have to apologize for that, Yanis. Uh, but disliking a lot of these players has really killed my enthusiasm. What do I do to get up for the season? Uh, watch some compilations, Yanis. Some, you know, some uh, some rousing music. Some compilations of classic Arsenal playing really well, um, and and that's about it. That's all I can suggest. Other than that, just try to talk to as many positive people as you can. But other, than it, I understand your frustration. I really, genuinely do. Um, Clive, where's I saw that comment? Where is it? Crossing is not bad. Moving in the box is bad. That's our issue. I think that the crossing, Clive is mixed i do think there is i mean yesterday was a great example some of the crosses went far too wide of the box far too close at times don't beat the first man crossing as a you know as a, as a movement as a style as, as something that you're going to use in a game isn't bad no and if you can continually pressurize like liverpool did a lot during their premier league winning season eventually the pressure does tell but they had a lot greater cross delivery um in terms of quality than we currently do movement does need to be better. But I just think that when, when you know that the only thing you're really going to be seeing from our wide areas is a lofted ball into the box, I can understand why our movement is bad because it's unpredictable. If you've got patterned play, if you've got one-twos and cutbacks going on a regular basis, if you've got players making specific movements that's 
you know, deployed by the coach, I think that would be much more telling than, say, you know, Aubameyang or Lacazette saying they have bad movement. It comes down to me a lot with coaching. I'd love to get your thoughts, Clive, but for me, it is a lot still down to the coaching and the way that the players are told to be, What the the, the way in which we build up, the way in which we create chances. I still think there is a, a problem with this, the, the coaching that's going on in that sense and the way that we're trying to play. So there you go. Uh, I mean, the crossing is not a bad thing. We don't attack the box in numbers. That makes a cross of pass into the box better if you run into the box. Yeah, 100%. I, mean, I can't disagree with that. <laughs> if we have more players in the box when we do cross, we'd have a better chance to score. It's, yeah, common sense. Uh, let's go to uh, Martina, who says, the board is not serious. Imagine buying Trippier instead of Max. I mean, we haven't done that yet. So, but we'll wait and see. I would agree. If we did buy Trippier over Max Aarons, I would be a little bit irritated. Anyway, we're going to wrap things up there. Thank you ever so much, guys, for tuning in. Please make sure you check out, uh, and uh, if you have already seen how many votes we've been getting on, we aren't doing votes at the moment because it has closed. We may do some more voting should we get nominated for the uh, Football Content Awards. So thank you ever so much to everyone's there. Make sure, if you haven't already, to check out uh, Pick Your Team by the Arsenal Review. Predict your Arsenal lineup for the Brentford game. Link to that is in the description. Make sure you sign up. It really would help support the channel. It's free to play as well. And uh, I'll be back a little bit later on today. I'm joining the guys over at the Arsenal Lounge. If you are into those guys and you watch that channel, I'll be joining them at about 6.30 p.m. Uh, to have a chat. Interesting to meet new people, speak to new people. Uh, always up for that. So make sure you do check that out. And uh, it's going to be an interesting discussion, I'm sure, with some very differing opinions. And uh, there's nothing I like more than having a few debates. So we'll see how that goes down. But hopefully we'll be providing you guys with a tactical breakdown as well on Dusan Vlahovic a little bit later on too. Uh, and other than that, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you as always. Enjoy your Monday. I'm going to enjoy my final day at 101 Great Goals before starting a very exciting and new project. See you later, guys. Have a good one. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.